Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Greetings, gardening friends. Great to be here. Hope everything is well in all of your worlds. Today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Base Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. The team's here. We're all here. How are you, Faye? I'm good, Ray. And you? Yeah, yeah. Fighting fit, actually. Yeah. yeah raring been a busy to go. week. Raring to go. And I must say, normally we have, you know, flowers or something in the studio, but today there's so, so much here that you're actually sitting on an angle. You've moved across. <laughs> you normally sit opposite me uh, because to make room for uh, the jungle, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it's exactly what you'd uh, find in a, in a florist. So we, I look forward to you explaining to the listeners what you've actually brought in today. You can uh, email us if you like, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. The lines are open and big thanks and a big shout out to the very clever and witty Alan Simons and he was supported very well today by Rob Miller and cheers to Jim Crinan for the cycling update and thanks for his gives me a plug on my there on my on my little e-bike thanks for that Jim and you can catch Jim next Saturday morning again uh, just before 8 and uh, 10 a.m. Uh, with his uh, classic 70s program he's he's going well on the station isn't he Jim he is and I think he's enjoying it as well oh I think he's a natural he's a natural he is and he's Mm. he's really enjoying he's found his he's found his little happy place this is our happy place and I know that Alan would like to get a spot on our show too. He's I really even... would like to have Alan on. I think, yeah, that he could. Well, be... I'm a bit worried. Just hold. You never that know. Thought, you right? never he's, know what he's, he's going to he come out. He wants to take over, and he wants to rename our show. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind him taking over. Well, That's I wonder right. what the the listeners think of the name calling our show "Getting Rooted." Getting rooted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll put it, it out might there. Conjure up some interesting and different questions. I don't Comments know that I'm from our listeners. to handle that. <laughs> no, I've got enough on my plate, thanks. I think let's talk without gardening. a saucy. <laughs> let's talk gardening. Fits Garden the bill. show name. Yeah, no, but we must get Alan in one day to join us on the program because he does want to talk about his own gardening skills that I know. Yeah, and we need to learn more. We need to know more about you, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay, 94841927. Today we are talking tulip bulbs with Lynn Chambers. Looking forward to that. So we need to be thinking about spring. Can you well, imagine? Not so much tulips because I think they've had a really busy season and mm. I think I'm not sure that they actually have tulips left. But oh, okay. there are many other plants to be putting in now, Lots of bulbs. Were they at the show, show last weekend? No, and I did you know, ask a few her people about were that. Complaining about that. We also got Joe Broadhorse. We're talking Broadhurst. We're talking about Zygo cactus and Hatiora. And we do have some very interesting updates. Uh, updates to announce about that. So we just seem to leap from one 
one issue to another, but tune in and uh, let's all learn about uh, what we need to be aware of uh, with these gorgeous plants. I absolutely love them. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, as you say, bulbs right now, I mean, you've got you've got bulbs already coming up in your well, garden. Well, yes, there's, there's autumn flowering ones that are yeah. kicking off. It's time to plant your spring flowering ones. Yeah. There's just so much flowering in the garden now. It's just, it's yeah. a delight to be out there. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I must say, I've got bulbs from last year popping up. Good God, God knows what they are. I think actually they're probably what bulbs, some of the bulbs you gave me. Mm, <laughs> and I threw them in pots and, yeah, get some lovely surprises. I don't mind. They just come through other things and... And just have pops of colour here and there. I like to keep my bulbs in pots, but that's me because I, I don't, they can get messy. Well, that's that's not a bad way to do it, Ray, because yeah. you can put them put yeah. them away when they're looking daggy. You can repot them, you can feed them, you can keep them labelled and know what they are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> That and was a good resolution I made a couple of years ago. I just wish I could stick to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always becomes one more thing, doesn't it? Mm. And, of course, the Garden Festival last weekend. Like to hear from listeners who attended, see what you thought. We went on the Saturday, didn't we? You, we did. You, had, you gave your chat, and I must say, to a, a full house, uh, as it appeared. And so... I think lots of people came along to listen to Faya Caro. It was a great chat and it was a, a lovely event uh, on the day. So, Thank you, Ray. Yeah, yeah. There, there were a lot of our listeners there. Yes. Um, so it was good to see those familiar faces mm. that we've met in the past. Yeah, yeah. the little um, cherub cheeks yeah. looking at us. Yeah. And speaking of listeners, last night I went to the footy club down in East Fremantle yeah. and there's a few curtain fans down there and I had a That's blast great. from the past, Ray. One of the ladies came up to me. I could see her talking to Rod and looking over at me. And then she came over and it was like, oh, hey, you know, are you Daniel's mum? So Daniel will be 34 on Tuesday and Roz was one of his teachers at pre-primary. So we're talking 30 years ago. Good memory. Yes. And yeah. I, she gave me a chicken. I came home with two chickens last night. They have a chook raffle down there every cooked Friday. Or, cooked or uncooked? Frozen. Frozen. Right. So, yeah. Hey, hey, it's Friday. Great place two for chooks. a Friday night drink at so, five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yep. music, music. Live music, Ray. And it's free, right? Yes. That's Michael amazing. Michael Barbaro popped down. Wayne mm. Pride was singing all his songs mm. and... You know, I just sit there singing along and... Yeah, yeah. No, I'd like to to come along one Friday uh, when I have got the opportunity and uh, not other things uh, on at the same time. For sure. uh, Yeah, and are you going to the Cypress Farm Garden tomorrow? Yes, You have booked... Okay, yes, so we'll booked. be tootling along so on the coach down to Waruna tomorrow. Yes, uh, Open wait. Gardens West Coast have put together a mm-hmm. bus trip to Kingsley Dixon's Garden yeah. in Waruna. Yeah. And it's pretty close to sold out, I believe. It and was we've been holding our breath when we about this one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So Autumn colours in yeah. the forest. Yes, I may not leave. I may stay. <laughs> mm. My fave, my absolute favourite time of the year. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. We've got emails to work through. I think we'll start there. We've got our seventy five dollar gift voucher to give away as well. So I might do that earlier in the show Absolutely. before we get bogged down. All right. Yeah. What do you want to do first? Oh, let's do an email. Okay. All right. This one has come in from Jenny. And it's titled Bugs. And she sent in a photo of two gorgeous-looking caterpillars. They are beautiful They're to look fat. at, I must admit. 
One is green and short and the other is brown and longer. These are serious caterpillars and they have markings that I I think actually could be the opposite end of their body, but they look like eyes. And this, of course, is to ward off predators. And at the present moment, they're munching through grapevines and sweet potatoes around Perth and they are the larva or the caterpillar stage of the vine hawk moth. And if you're into teaching your kids about the life cycle and metamorphosis, mm. these guys are a great way to do it. They're just a lot of fun. Um, very just, exciting. They, they look like cartoon characters. They do. I've had the green one in my garden. Yeah. Well, it's just a different stage, Ray. Ah. They change colour. Ah. So, yes, um, their botanic or well, scientific name is Hippotion Solario. So check your sweet potato leaves if there's holes in them. Don't worry, they won't eat that much and it mm. won't stop the sweet potato growing, the same as the grapevine. You know, the leaves are starting to shrivel up and drop off anyway. Mm. Uh, and it's just how how these guys complete their life cycle. And they turn into? A vine hawk moth. And what does he get up to? Uh, well, it's a beautiful moth. It is a pollinator mm. of some plants uh, and food for other things. Like mm. everything on this planet has has a part in the ecosystem. So mm. everything relies on something, right? Yeah. Many of them rely on us. Let's not stuff it up. I like that's favorite. <laughs> your favorite saying. Let's not stuff it up. Well, this is um, you mean I, business. This girl. is a, a term that comes from Paul O'Hare at dancing when he's teaching dance steps. <laughs> I just don't stuff it up. Yes, that's right. And another um, term that I love is the zoo beneath our feet. I do and love that too. This Ray, you mm. know, this week we did a small burn on our property, and Saw every that. day I go out and I look. And I tell you what, talk about the zoo beneath our feet. I'm looking at who comes back quickly. Mm. There are ants. Oh, my goodness. They're so amazing. There's all these little underground caverns. Mm. So ants are one of the first things to come back. I bet. (laughs) There's evidence of uh, spiders, trapdoor spiders or wolf spiders. You can Mm. see holes the size of a 20% piece that go down 40 to 50 centimetres mm. to their underground burrows. There's other holes that may, may be rabbit or even fox. But getting back to the ants, they're out there. They're the clean-up crew. Mm. They're going around and they're fossicking for any protein to take back to their nest. They take seeds because some seeds have a little bit of protein on it, so that goes back to the nest. So that gets buried and the rain comes and the water pools, and that's often how you get regrowth mm. from a lot of plants. They're, they're very, very important. It's fascinating to watch it and understand instead of thinking of them as the pests, pests. that come up in our paving. They're mm. very important. Mm. And with that burn-off, I noticed you had some trucks there and that. Who do you have to notify when you burn off? Well, because it's the bush, we can't get hoses out no. to to manage uh, part of the area. And the my idea was to regenerate the bush, also yep. to do a small patch so that any wildlife or some of the bigger wildlife can actually move away, and that did happen. So there were bandicoots scurrying out, and there are plenty of areas that they could move to. We saw a couple of bobtails come out, and the firefighting captain, Gavin, actually went in and grabbed those bobtails and relocated. That's 
how a good burn is done. They yeah. didn't let the flames go up the trees. Mm. It was just a ground burn to burn the undergrowth in the hope that we can regenerate some. Is that what they call a cool burn? Definitely a cool burn, yeah. very definitely. And and was funny, when that dew point kicked in around 6 o'clock, yeah. um, the fire really slowed and it missed pockets. So yeah. they also use the term mosaic burn. So there's areas inside that burn that aren't burnt at all. Mm. So... You know, okay. it's just, it'll be fascinating to see well, what how comes it, back. How it recovers. And this week, I, well, in, in the house, Eddie saw a little praying mantis on the wall. So we had a little photo shoot. And I thought for the first time, I'd actually found the male racing bark mantis. It's a little bark mantis that looks like a gum nut. And when you get close, <laughs> it's actually, you know, punching with its front legs. And, and the boy is actually slender and looks very different from the female. So that's what I thought I'd found. And I put it on iNaturalist and mm. turns out to be a pygmy ground mantis. Not very often seen. Oh, my goodness. It's just yeah, the yeah. world is wonderful. I'm now up to about <laughs> 513 species on the property. Of different? Different critters. Critters. Okay. Mm. Okay. And counting. <laughs> yeah. We all are, Faye. All right, we're heading to Mundaring. We're talking about Dracaenas. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Gail. Morning, Margaret. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just getting in early because I have a very handsome Dracaena that's years old. It's got th on three spikes, it has three spikes growing, and I want to cut the two spares off the main plant. And, um, you cut the stalk up into um, pieces for cuttings, but yes. I would like your help. How long is the best? What's the best length for the cuttings? Well, uh, whatever you cut off, how long is the longest that you've got? Oh, it's six foot high. Okay. You could potentially stick that in the ground about 30 centimetres and that will regrow. Oh, you, so you, make, cut them all 30 centimetres? You can. You can do either or. So you can take that top part, put it in and have a six-foot plant. You could take 30 centimetres off the bottom and have two, so you've mm. got a staggered plant. The bottom will take root and the top will reshoot. That's right, because I just dip it in honey. But I just wasn't sure about the length. Of, what's the best length of cutting? So 30 centimetres. You could even do 10 centimetres. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, as short as that. You can even lay it sideways and the and the side that's touching the soil will take root and it will push up shoots at the node. I don't know how many of those shoots you will get up, but you could then cut it afterwards. Oh, it would be interesting to mm. try one. But I tell you what, Margaret, I understand the best time to do that would be in the warmer months, heading into the warmer weather. Best in spring. Yes, it can work now, but they are slower. And if yeah. they do get too wet, they can be prone to rot. But yeah. they're certainly slower at this time of the year. So springtime is the best time. Well, it's lived on the south veranda for years. And the, 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 the main plant, it's very handsome, variegated one. And the main plant is only about a metre high. Or a bit probably, yeah, a metre, so metre. But it's got two extra spikes you see which I want to cut off and propagate so that sounds fantastic I could try a horizontal and do mm. the rest 
Now, I was told many years ago, if you cut them in November, where you cut, you will get up to five new heads. That's if you cut it off the top. Yeah. Well, I was going to keep the top and put that in a in a pot because they've got there's three handsome heads on it. Hmm. Lovely. Um, one's only the, the the main plants about a metre, but these other two were six foot. Wow. <laughs> so, I just wanted to spread it, you know, give it around to my friends because it's yeah. a very nice plant. A yes. lovely idea. Yes. Good now, idea. Uh, can I? Um, can I cut the? I have a cane begonia. It's also very old and it's got about five canes and it's reaching the roof of my front veranda, which is the south side. And it flowers profusely with these beautiful pink sprays of flowers and it's a begonia with a spotty leaf. Lovely. Um, Now, how safely, how far down can I cut it? Sort of like a third. Can I uh, cut a third off? Are there? Well, what's the the shoots like further down the stem? Oh well, the canes are the, the canes are all bare, but I do have growth um, down the. You know, I have growth all the way down the canes. If you've got growth all the way down the canes, and you can cut back to a node that will obviously shoot, oh, that okay. is that is fine. But if it's a bare cane, I I would just have to do a bit more homework on that. Oh, okay. So just I just thought you know safely cut back to some growth. Yes. Just to get it off the away from the roof. Yes. Yeah. So um, can I um? Oh, tell me how long is the best length for a frangipani cutting? <laughs> I, I don't know that there is a best length. Um, often when you've got a length, you've got growth at one end and you've got wherever it's been cut back to. So yeah. it might be 30 centimetres, it might be six foot. That's right. Uh, yeah. So once again, it depends on your aim. Un- unless you want to share it with friends, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that there is an ideal yeah. size, but frangipani's... Mm. Experts might tell you different, Margaret. Oh, I see. Well, I think perhaps thirty centimetres sounds like a safe, a safe. Because you know, people talk about taking cuttings, but they often don't say, you know, what's a good length to have the cutting. That's all. Uh, but don't do it now. No, 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 no. It's spring. I remember yes. your talks recently. Spring is the best time for these. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now, thanks. What about a leggy minor lavender? I have been tip pruning it, but it's um, and it it does need repotting, which I'm going to do. But I was just wondering about cutting it. Well, a, a lot pruning. of plants, the general rule is to cut back after flowering. Yeah. And yeah. with all our plants, sometimes they they look a bit leggy. You know, the begonias might do that. Plants that are in pots might do that. And like you say, potting them onto a, a next size pot and refreshing the potting mix giving it a bit of seaweed, bit of fertiliser, putting it in a sunny spot. It'll push out new shoots and then rather than giving it a cutback, just a, a deadhead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And taking cuttings too. Yeah. With a lot of lot of things if we're cutting back, we can use that that growth as cutting. Because we need to to go, Margaret, because we've yeah. got a break we have to 
Thank you. Thanks. Bye for now. Take care. Cheers, Margaret. Bye for now. And when we return, we'll be chatting to Chris about orange blossoms. Curtain Radio. 26 minutes after 8, you are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Butler. Chris, thanks for waiting. Good morning, ladies. Morning. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. That's good. Um, Just a question about orange blossom. Can you grow that by cutting? Well, if it is because you want to grow an orange tree, the ones that we buy in in stores and nurseries are grafted. All right. So I would say not really. You're, you're better off to invest in the tree that is the variety that you want. And recently we've had a couple of calls about mandarins that have been bitter. So this is just a reminder to to invest in a quality tree that you know the variety so that you get what you want five years down the track when it's producing good amounts of fruit. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Okay, then. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Nice and quick. Okay. <laughs> have a good day. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Okay, now we do have Joe Broadhurst online. Karen, we're aware of your call. Karen would like to talk about Duranta. Please uh, bear with us and we will be with you as soon as we can. Right now we are talking to Joe and we're talking about Zygo Cactus and Hattiora. Joe, good morning. You're with Rain Faye. Good morning. How are you? Yes. Good. We're, Lovely. We're good. Weather. We're very happy. And we're ex- Wonderful. We're excited to hear from you all about winter flowering zygo cactus. Oh, they're so popular. We yeah. we had no idea when we started this group last year in June just how many growers we had in Western Australia and amazing growers as well. So we're very lucky. We um, have been learning from each other as we go along. I'm not the most experienced on our page by any means. There are growers out there that have been growing for many, many years, but it's a great group. We um, all learn together. Well, I yeah. guess a lot of people have got a zygo cactus. And, yes. of course, you know, they're, they're so easy to share and to grow from cuttings. But now is their flowering time or it's just starting off. So tell us a bit about how, how's the best way to grow them and what they like. Okay, um, the best part of them is they will they will grow and they'll flower really if you do nothing to them. But mm. if you look after them and give them some love and put them in some dappled light or under your shade cloth, something along those lines, and water once a week, overwatering is probably the biggest problem people have with them. They tend to give them too much love. Um, but other than that, Fertilised during the grow- growing season, we so use power. Yeah, well, yep. no, sorry, over the summer months. Okay, when they're right. when they're growing, it's really important then to get the fertilizer into them. I personally stop fertilising at the end of February, so the plant will stop producing new clades because flowers won't flower on the new little clades on the little leaves. So we try to stop around then and give them another boost now as they're starting to come into flower. Mm. We also use Epsom salts quite a bit. It helps uptake a lot of the nutrients that are just sitting in the soil and the plants not getting it available to it. So Epsom salts is a great one. 
Um, how do you apply that? You dilute it in water or? Yeah, two teaspoons in nine litres of water. Oh, okay, that's and fine. Yeah. yeah, just even when you soak your feet in it in the spa, because it's <laughs> great, great. Use that water to water your zygos afterwards. Uh, yep. So, um, but no, that really does help. But definitely the fortnightly feeds over the flowering, uh, over the growing season, really gets them going for a brilliant flowering season. Mm, okay, that's a, a good tip. And how many colours are there, Jo? Mm. <laughs> oh, um, there'd be over 100. Wow. Yeah. Would not have thought there'd be that many. Now, the post I made today on the Curtin Radio Facebook page uh, yep. shows a photo of what to beware of. And also in the comments, I've put some photos of what, the flowers should look like so there's a bit of a problem that's been highlighted recently joe would you like to tell our listeners about that yeah um the eastern states have unfortunately had it a lot worse than us um or fortunately <laughs> but we have seen it starting to come into wa and it is a white streak that goes through the petals and it's a very unusual looking flower and that's why a lot of people will buy it because they think, oh my goodness, it looks so different. But mm. the problem being is that it is virus. The bottom petals will start to fade completely so there'll be no colour left in them and the top ones will have this real definite white streak going through the petals. It is contagious to your other plants. Gosh. So... Um, it will pass through your collection of zygos and hadiora, unfortunately. And the only way to get rid of it is to, to throw it in the bin. Mm -hmm. There is no coming back from it. So we just ha have to be careful when we're buying just to, to, well, it's hard because a lot of times you're not buying when it's flowering. But hopefully yeah. when you see it flowering, you'll be able to tell that it's a nice full colour or it's got a proper shading to it. You know, the white and, say, a, a red around the outside. It's not an actual streak. So it's very difficult to tell, um, especially in the very light colours. But you can see if you hold it up to the sun, you'll be able to see a streaking through it. This will be passed on from person to person, a backyard grower. They said, oh, here, have, have a cutting of mine. Yes, and not knowing themselves or just thinking it's something unusual yes, and passing yes. it on. Yes. But then in saying that, there is also companies that more in the eastern states, like Big W, yeah. um, they they obviously don't know because they're just buying it in bulk. Mm -hmm. you, there's no horticulturist there to say, hang on a second, yeah. you know, this isn't right. So... It's a hard one. It really is. But the best thing to do is when you get a new uh, cutting or a new plant, is separate it from your other plants. Keep it in isolation. Quarantine until you it. See it flower. Yep. For how long, yep, Joe? Till you see it flower. Okay. Yeah, yeah, to be safe. And it doesn't spread to other plants. It just within no. its own species. Okay, I understand. That's and correct. what's yep. causing this? What, what is it? Where did it come from? How did it start? We, we have no idea. There's absolutely, yeah, there's very little information on it, I'm afraid. No one's really done a, you know, a serious look into it. Yet, it's just yeah. something that's becoming more prevalent as the years go on. And, yeah, as I said, unfortunately, it seems to be over here now. We've had one confirmed, <clears throat> excuse me, one confirmed case this week. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just hard to know.
I'm afraid. But it, my best advice is the plant can be looking really healthy and doing really, really well, but keep it isolated from your other plants. Keep it in quarantine until you, you see a flower, yeah. And you also mentioned sterilising all equipment and destroying a plant that has the virus. Yes. You, once you've used any of your equipment on any new plants, doesn't matter whether it's zygo or anything, you should always sterilise your equipment because you don't know what that plant's just brought into your garden. So that's, right. that, that's across the board in my opinion. But, yeah, definitely if that plant, if you've been messing around with that pot or something and then all of a sudden it flowers and you see it's got the streaking virus, it has to be destroyed. Mm. Put it in a plastic bag, leave it out in the sun, let it die and then dispose of it like that. Don't put it into your compost or... Mm. Um, and definitely clean all your tools. Throw mm. that pot out. You know, you have to be careful. It's got, it's something that's going to get worse, I'm afraid, because there is no cure for it. Okay, so, so this is something every, every we need to be aware. person that's mm. got a zygo cactus, mm. have yes. a look at your flowers, compare with the photo on the Facebook page or just look for any white streaking. Uh, and it look it can look stunning. It looks like a, it a variation. Look, it does. That's, um, the, that's the problem, isn't that's it? The problem, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but be mindful that it can potentially right. wipe out the colour mm. of not only that plant and the plants. other plants. Yeah. Mm. And it's a slow thing too. It's not not all of a sudden going to kill your plant. But by the time you think, oh, no, it's lost all its colour or, you know, the plant's looking really sickly now because it will kill the plant eventually, mm. is that it's already been passed on to your other zygos and hattiorists. Yeah, the horse has bolted. Mm. Yes. Yeah, got you. Mm. Okay. Oh, one more thing. What about the potting mix? What sort of potting mix and what sort of location? Do they like full sun? Uh, no, not full sun. A bit of morning sun in um, spring. Would, is wonderful for them, but as soon as summer comes along, make sure they're in a nice shaded area. People hang them under the trees because yeah. they grow in Brazil. They're up in the trees. Mm. They, you know, they're growing branches of trees, so dappled light is really, really important. Um, potting mixture is a really free-draining potting mix. I use um, a mixture. I use a good quality potting mix, perlite, and an orchid mix or orchid bark in there as well and just mix it all together. And so it's really free-draining because we don't want them to stay wet. Right, yeah. You really want the water to drain through and that's why it's advisable once a week watering when it's hot. In winter, you know, just have a feel and see if it's damp. If it's damp, just leave it because so, you will get rot if you – it will rot off at the stems if you give it too much water. They're categorised as epiphytic? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm starting to really love these epiphytes. Yeah, I love them too. <laughs> mm. They're so good. <laughs> yeah, they really are. So uh, you've got a Facebook page, Joe, and that's called Zygo Cactus and Hattiora Western Australia. So people can get expired, but be warned, uh, if you look, you could get hooked. 
Yes, <laughs> most definitely. We've we've all we've all felt that since this group started. We all had a few. Now we've all got lots. Oh, it just makes you want all the other colours, right. and of course, yes. some are early flowering, and I guess some are later. So you can have this these winter flowers right through the cold, wet weather. Yeah, well, we've had a actually a really great start to the season. Um, we've had people sending in their flowers for the last month. They've been starting quite early. And then I've got probably another, I shouldn't say it, probably another 50 or 60 plants that oh. haven't got buds on yet. Oh, wow. Now, I know so, you had a small place, you said, and you filled up the garden beds where you are. And then what happened? <laughs> then I, you have to go bigger. <laughs> you have to get more more um, shade area. And That's right. My hu- husband said, oh, I thought I was putting a shed there. And I'm like, oh, don't be silly. doesn't need a shed. Yes. <laughs> I need more shade house. That's right. I agree. You're a woman after our hearts. Don't worry about yes. that. Oh, you should. Some of our, our growers, Dave, I hope... I hope he's listening. I won't say his last name. He grows the most amazing Hattiora that I've ever seen in my life. He is just mm. beautiful. He's such such a great grower. And then we have Steve, young Steve. He's he's got out of control with buying them and growing and building <laughs> more areas to put them in. He it's just addictive. It really is. And if people wanted to join your Facebook page. Yes, certainly. It's just three easy questions and that's mainly to make sure we keep it within WA because Mm. there is a a lot of groups for Zygo Cactus out there and they're Australia-wide, but we found that WA was missing out because we have such different growing conditions to Mm. the eastern states that our own little group is really good just to, you know, people ask, should I have it here or should I do this or... And it's really helpful because we're all just growers. No one's an expert. So, um, and it's a great group. So, yeah, yeah, answer the three little questions and join in the fun and show us your pictures and ask any questions. Love and, Joe, for anyone who missed your interview this morning, it is also on podcast and that link is on the Curtin Facebook page under today's oh, post. So, nobody has to miss out. No, that's wonderful. Well, thanks very much for your time today and I hope our listeners get out there and, and check their buds and have a look yes, at their beautiful and flowers. Share. Yes. Share with everyone. It's yep. lovely. Thank you very it's much. Good on you, Joe. It's so easy to just I forgot to say, just snap off a little cutting and put it in the soil and it'll grow. Yeah. Amazing, it's that right? Easy. Good on you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye. Okay, now we do have to have a short break. Karen, I know you're still there, love, and we'll be speaking to you on the other side of this. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Queen's Park. Karen, thank you for waiting so long. That's quite okay. It was interesting. Yes. Yes, Good morning, Good morning, ladies. I have got a question about uh, my Duranta Revecta. Um, it is. It, I have got a couple of them. One was self-seeded, and it's in the wrong place, and I want to transplant it. Can I do that now? It's about a meter high, and it grows so fast, so I have to get get it away from where it's it's uh, plant, where it is sitting at the moment. Yes, it would be best to do it now rather than later. I would give it a a drink of uh, a seaweed solution diluted. Pour that over the foliage and around the root zone before and okay. after you move it and now would would be the best time otherwise it's just going to get bigger probably not yes. an ideal time but 
Yeah, better sooner rather than later. Shall I cut it back? It's about a meter high by now, but it's, it's full of flowers and everything. I, I, but I have to get have to get it away from where it is. Uh, normally, I would say yes. I tend to reduce foliage, but I have the voice of Chris Oliver in my head, and I know that he will tell you that a plant will let you know. So his advice would probably be not to cut it back, but to move it. It will probably go through some transplant shock. Yes. The leaves will mm-hmm. wilt and then they will fall mm-hmm. and then you could cut it back. Okay, good. And uh, I want to plant it behind, behind some roses. I've got a big bare patch there. Um, will they, I mean, I cut the roses back hard because of the chili strip. Will they attack, attack if they come back? Will they attack that, that Durante as well? It's hard to know. I think Um, there's going to be far less problems with the chili thrip going forward. I think we're we're at that time of the year now where the roses are actually starting to bounce back. They're putting mm -hmm. on new growth. It looks Mm -hmm. healthy. The pest cycle has slowed right down because of the cold nights, the cooler days, the rain that's been around. So that is going to be a le- less of a problem. Now, Karen, okay. was this you that sent in the snow bush photos? Yes, yes, yes. it is. I sent it in about three times. It kept coming back. Right. <laughs> I don't know okay. why. I, I had too many photographs, I think, so I, I took some photographs out. Yes, it's me. Oh, God, I'm so, I don't know what to do with okay. it. Um, but as far as the Duranta goes, I don't know how big your bare patch is that it's going into, but these bushes can get to about three metres tall. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I know okay. I have got another one, but it's quite, that is quite okay. It has good enough room there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It has right. plenty of room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got chilli thrip on your roses and you've got these beautiful snow bushes which are brainier ah, and you've got a hedge of them and it sounds right. like... From what I can see, you've got aphids. The the little yellow things look to be aphids to me. Now uh-huh. that's what I wasn't sure whether aphids can be yellow as well. Oh yeah. yes, there's yeah. there's at least a dozen different types of aphids. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from experience and in my garden, I let the good bugs take care of the bad bugs. For an infestation like this, one of the things that you could do that doesn't cost you any time or cost the environment is just to simply hose off the shoots. A lot of those aphids Uh won't come Uh back. And the good news is you won't be damaging anything when you're doing that, okay? So Uh some, some will come back, but it's only going to be a matter of time that with that much of an infestation, you have good guys coming in. And if you were to go out there with a magnifying glass and look closely, you you might see some eggs, you might see some larva, you might see ladybirds, hoverflies, lacewings, mm-hmm. tiny little spiders. There are so many predators. And not only that, birds, because aphids are food for birds and many other things. Now, last weekend, my talk was all about this and I handed out photos to show people what they're looking for because a lot of people don't know what a hoverfly larva looks like. It looks like a caterpillar. So many home gardeners would look, Mm -hmm. they would see aphids and then they would think, oh, and there's caterpillars there, let's nuke it. If you want something, if you 
don't like that advice, then you could go to something like an eco oil, which also sends a message to bring in the good guys. And in parts of your garden, add plants that harbour the good bugs. So a little border of white allison is my all-time favourite. The lacewing larva, love it. Oh yeah, I have got plenty of them. Yeah, okay. yeah, but not 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 next to the unfortunately not next to the snow bush. I don't know. I I I've cut it back totally, and it was all gone at one stage a couple okay. of years ago, and then all of a sudden they they all these aphids is coming back. Okay, I don't know where they come from. <laughs> so for now, if you're prepared yeah. to follow my advice, just yes, yes, just hose them off. Mm-hmm. Just hose them off okay. and watch and see. And I think it's only a matter of time before on a warm day you'll see little tiny parasitic wasps come in and turn the aphids into mummies. You'll see ladybirds crawling all over everything. That is going to be your best option, in my opinion. Okay. No, definitely. I definitely. I don't want to, to use anything else if, if I don't have to. Definitely not. Maybe oil, but nothing else. Okay. okay great. Thank you so very much, Faye. And thank, have a wonderful, thanks for a wonderful program. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Thank okay. you. I'll do that. Now. Good, on you. You. Good on you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to give away our Bigotry $75 voucher. You need to be a Curtain FM member and not to have won a prize on the station in the last 28 days. And I was on the Bigotry's uh, Facebook page last night and they've got the most stunning camellias <gasps> starting to flower and they've got some really different varieties up there. So not only are they the home of uh, frangipanis and uh, fruiting and ornamental trees, the, the camellia is uh, very much in the forefront at the moment. Uh, a lot of autumnal flowering up there oh, to go yes. and see so yet yeah, totally recommended now here is my question what plant would you have if you were growing a fruit salad swiss cheese or mexican breadfruit what plant would that be if you were growing a fruit salad swiss cheese or mexican breadfruit 94841927 back shortly Curtain you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening and we do have a prize winner already. Clever, clever little gardening listeners <laughs> out there. We can't trick you, can we? So we we do have a winner, so I'll wait for their details to uh, come through. Okay, now you were going to talk about... Now, Rosemary sent us in an email just a few minutes ago yes. and I hope you were listening to Karen just now, Rosemary, because you have the same thing. This is yellow aphids Mm. on a creeper. So my advice is just to simply hose them off and Mm. monitor. Mm. Okay. It's a seasonal thing to a point. Well, there are some plants like a milkweed plant that I grow as food for the butterflies Mm. that that has yellow aphids on it just about year round. Yeah. Um, Okay. But that's one of those plants that we call a trap plant or a bank so what then comes into those aphids of course is all the good guys so i won't rehash that ray but it's fantastic i love aphids because they're food for other things indeed now our winner is uh maura mason from lockridge so congratulations young lady and our question was what plant would you have if you were growing a fruit salad a swiss cheese or mexican breadfruit the answer Faye. 
is a monstera. Yes. Deliciosa. Deliciosa. Mm. Yes, indeed. And what a gorgeous plant that is. So congratulations, Maura, and you will be receiving a $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. When you get up there and uh, have yourself a little shop to your drop, let us know what you bought. We do like to know. We like to live through our listeners and uh, their shopping exploits. And speaking of those, did you do a bit of damage last weekend at the Garden Festival? I I did not do a lot of damage, Ray, uh, but I did get a new Ripsalis Gartner mm. Eye, and it wasn't even on the list that I had. So that's of your really hit list. Awesome. It I is know. awesome when you've got something. Did you get my email? Because I sent you, I sent you three of what I bought. Mm. I sent you an email and pictures and all. Oh, Went the, to a lot of effort, I might add. You well, haven't even seen it, have you? No, I've been nannering <laughs> a lot this week. <laughs> you know, uh, the vendors that I spoke to last weekend, they just said they had a cracker um, event. So I know. people are crazy out there, so spending loads of money. Gardening is still a big thing. Mm, oh, continuing. It's, it's a huge thing. And yeah. I think that's why Lynn, one of the reasons why they didn't go this year, because they had such a bumper year on bulbs, yeah. and there's only an... There's not an infinite supply, no. and so they didn't feel they could do it justice Justify to be there. Yeah. So, and, of course, she's also a florist, mm. and um, in the end it coincided with Mother's Day, so that would have Well, that was the thing. Because awkward. it was postponed, it did clash with other mm. events such as Mother's Day. Nothing anyone could do about that. And, of course, people already had plans and arrangements, so by having to postpone it, no one's fault. COVID's fault and uh, what could anyone do? We were lucky the event still went ahead. The people that I spoke to thought it was a great event and I take my hat off to to all of those uh, exhibitors. I messaged Fickle Prickles this week um, to see if I could get them on and sadly they declined. Because they're a great little outfit, aren't they? Yeah, but she said they're still... You know, they're still um, catching up. Mark Tuchek said he was just starting up to... Coming air. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and this is the thing. You know, these businesses often have a business already oh, yes. and then they uproot everything yeah, it's a big to get effort. there. Yeah. And if we want a festival in Perth, Each year, we need to we support it. We must support it. Actually. And, That's and right. it's great that people did. And, you know, yeah. it has its ups and downs, but, hey, Everything it's wonderful does. to look back and say, oh, remember that year and da-da-da. Mm, and mm. this year, last year was COVID. We didn't even have an event. This year we had an event. We got it. And... Well done to everybody who was involved. Whether you just participated, took a friend along. Exactly. um, Caught Mm. up with a friend. You know, it's it's a great event for lots of reasons. It's our event. We thank everyone. Okay, let's head to Dianella. We're talking about prickly pear. Gary, ooh. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Morning, Gary. I have a question for you. Okay. I I want to find out. I was told that uh, prickly pear... Prickly pear cactus is illegal. Yes. Yes. It's, is that true? It's illegal to move it or share it. Mm. So and to grow it. <laughs> uh, not so much to grow it. Well, put this way, they will they will be okay about it growing, uh-huh. but you cannot move it. You cannot give it away. You can't give it away, you can't buy it. Yeah. No, Strange. no, no. The thing is, it's potentially an invasive weed. Uh, and there was someone not that long ago who I remember was pr- yes. pruning a prickly yes. pear mm. up yeah. high. 
and a whole paddle came down on top of him and he spent really? a good couple uh, of hours uh, at a hospital I bet. removing spines. It, oh, it yeah, can be nasty, but it can take out large yeah. areas, pushing out other plants. Mm. Well, that I, I realise that I, I had one time that, uh, that we lived on a corner block and I had planted, uh, there was one in a pot really, and it just grew up so big. And then yeah. uh, the uh, Western Power had to replace a uh, <gasps> power uh, mm. uh, container or power unit. Yeah. And they had to bring crane in. And they actually broke the corner of the fence. And I had had that fence replaced. Well, outside oh. of that, there was a huge, I had 200 uh, leaves that I had to take to the tip. <laughs> mm. Ouch! Or that, and you can understand why. Tells you the story right there. They do yeah. not want you growing it. Mm. Yeah, they they do get a large, mm. and uh, they are very prickly. So, has that answered your question, Gary? Uh, yeah, did I? People come by ask if they if I wanted the pears. They I said, no, go ahead, take them. And they enjoyed picking the pears off uh, and that... eating them. Yes, that that is okay. And actually, I am pretty sure that I remember the the paddles as well as the fruit are edible if they're prepared in a certain way. So, from a yeah. permaculture perspective, it it can be a valuable food plant. That I understand. That right? mm. uh, I don't know about the uh, beautiful flower it comes on and lasts about one day, mm. but uh, the uh, prickly pears. The uh, people would ask, "Can I have it?" I go ahead, <laughs> help yourself. And then my neighbor used to make uh, jelly out of it or jam. Right, mm, that is interesting, then, isn't it? Because yeah, it if is. you're sharing the plant, like, is it illegal to? to take it away if it's for food. Oh, such a grey area. <laughs> Thank you for the dilemma, Gary. <laughs> Good on you. Cheers for that. Thanks, Gary. Thank you very much, Nell. Bye. Bye. Okay, nine o'clock. Cloudy today with a maximum of 23 is currently 17.5 degrees and overnight the minimum will be 14. It will be cloudy tomorrow but with pretty big maximum for May of 27 and Monday the overnight minimum will be 15. A shower or two will be about and the maximum will also be 27. Who would have thought we're getting 27s? Oh, in May. glorious gardening weather. Well, autumn's just the bee's knees, isn't it, Ray? It really is. It's my fave time of year. I may have mentioned that once or <laughs> twice. <laughs> now, for Gary, about his prickly pear, yes. we have a direct line to, to Deep Herd, and Liz <laughs> Edwards has just messaged me yeah. to say there has been a recent change, and the prickly pear is the only apuntoid cacti which is now permitted so it is legal to grow it. Well, and uh, as to sharing it, I'm just waiting for let's, confirmation on that. Let's get a bit more info that. about that. But yeah, that. to Gary. So that's this is recent. Yes, you heard yeah. it here, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> heard it here first. Okay. So there's been a change. <laughs> All right. Now we are heading across to Lynn Chambers from Tulips with a Difference. Uh, she's coming up online right now, and let's talk about autumn flowering and uh, what we need to be thinking about uh, 
planting uh, going forward for, for spring. We need to get ourselves uh, all organised. Lynn, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. Hi, Lynn. Good morning. Thank you for joining us How are you today. Going? Oh, very good. I'm well. And I, I yes, must. I'm well too, thank you. I must just share with you that you were missed at the Perth Garden Festival. Yes. A few people made that comment. Oh, oh. yeah. Now we've been there too, but as circumstances, it, it just wasn't a go for us this year. We. No yeah, problem. So... No problem. Just wanted you to know. Now. Now is the time that, um, you know, the weather's changed, it's autumn, but people could now be thinking about their spring flowering displays. Tell us what's on offer and what they should be doing now. Well, all your spring flowers, things like daffodils, freesias, ranunculus, um, anemones, um, tulips, all of those can be planted now. Um, um and there are early, mid, and late flowering varieties. So in the in the daffodil range, you have um, varieties that will start flowering around the end of June, through to um, end of September. So if you plant a, a range of different flowering times within each of the family groups, you can have ongoing colour happening over months, which is so exciting. So the if people got daffodil bulbs now, do they need to chill them before they go into the ground? No, they need to chill daffodil. The only, only bulbs that need chilling are tulips and hyacinths if you don't get cold winters. Um, the reason for that is that they require a longer winter than what we um, experience here in the West. Um, it doesn't alter the size of the flower, it just gives you more stem length. Um, what happens is that as soon as the weather starts to warm up, they push into flower, and that's why you end up with the short stems. But if you pop them in your fridge for six to eight weeks before you plant them, um, you'll get those long stems. Right. Um, but all the other bulbs don't need to be chilled. Now we you can plant them unchilled. Um, you can plant them unchilled. Um, uh, they'll just have the short stems, but. Um, what I have done also is plant chilled and unchilled together in the mm. same bed. And that gives you longer flowering time because the unchilled flower around about three weeks later than the chilled ones. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Mm, okay, so there's, there's a tip for the listeners. Now, last year we featured on our Facebook page a magnificent display of tulips that came from you initially, from Ron and Taya? Are they growing yes, tulips yeah, again? Cool. Oh, sorry, the, your hey, phone uh, keeps cutting out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Um, yeah, no, they're a lovely couple and uh, they're doing it again this uh, year. Ah, that's what we wanted um, to know. Yeah, yeah. Has planting begun, yeah, have... do you know? Oh, yes. Yeah, um, well, preparation has begun. Um, their bulbs are chilling. They start planting in June um, for for their display. So, um, oh, we'll, yeah, not far off. We'll certainly follow that up. Now, Lynn, we also had an email from uh, one of our listeners. I, I don't know their name. It came through as an SMS. And they asked, what is the difference, if any, between a hippiastrum and an amaryllis? Nothing. Okay. It's a common name for an amaryllis. Amaryllis is the family which does cover other things apart from hippiastrums. Um, but yeah, it's the same family. 
Ah, tricky. And recently what we were asked about hippie astrums and I've, I've noticed some people have, find that they don't actually die down in the colder months. That's correct. So that's a new It just depends on on what the weather's doing. Mm. But over here, because our winters are warmer in, they do retain their leaves, um, which is not a problem. Um, you can read six different books growing, about growing hippies and they'll give you all different answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the main thing is to give them a slow-release feed um, uh, when they're actively growing. So um, when they start to push out their new growth in August, that's when you need to feed them. Okay. And, um, and then as you head into winter, they start to look a bit scruffy. Yes. Um, and you can cut them right back to the top of the bulb mm. or you can just um, trim off the ones, the leaves that aren't looking very flash um, and they'll respond accordingly. Yes. Mm. So do you just put them away in the winter time and not water them? Oh, well, there's a lot of things about that too. Some some um, books will tell you that you need to make them go dry, so put the pot on the side. Um, others say that they need to be crowded for them to flower properly. Um, we've got them growing in pots in a tunnel. Half the tunnel's covered with plastic and shade cloth. The other half isn't covered with plastic. And we've also got them planted in the ground outside. And um, they all flower fine. So the ones under the plastic don't get rain in the winter. Mm. The ones under the just the shade cloth do get rain and the ones outside aren't crowded. Um, so, yeah, it comes yep. back to whether they're happy or not um, as to whether they'll flower. So and if you've got hippies that aren't performing, um, move them into a different position um, and just make sure we just find a slow-release fertiliser works really well. It's like all forms of gardening isn't it you know i sit here giving advice and and i just get the voices of everyone else in my head and the different ways they would do it it's like what whatever works for you <laughs> yes uh, yeah um they do like the neck of the bulb out of the soil yeah so with hippies um mm-hmm. so if you do plant them too deep that can stop them from flowering do you have the pure white one lynn Yes, yes, we do. You have it. Um, yeah, they um, um, they don't. Some varieties multiply really quickly, yeah. and others don't. Um, and the white one's one of those that are slow multipliers. Okay. So um, yeah, they they all vary. Yes. Um, yeah. So what what's flowering now? What are the stars of the season currently performing? Um, we've got um, basins, so our summer flowering dahlias are in flower, and um, we've got our winter, uh, our autumn flowering nerines in mm. full bloom at the moment, um, which look just delightful. Um, yeah, nerines, the flowers, yeah, the flowers come before the foliage. See, so, um, out in our paddock, we've just got this red glow at the moment um, oh. uh, against the green of the grass. So it's yeah, just beautiful. Now, recently we were sent in a photo of a large bowl, bulb. It was probably almost as big as a paving brick sideways and it was showing signs of pink and multiple, looked like multiple pinkish buds, whitish pink bulbs coming up. Any guesses as to what that might have been? 
Oyster lily um, is another name for it, or naked mm. lady is another name for the same variety. Yeah. That's what Faye um, thought, yeah. They, yeah. Um, you can get pink and white in the Belladonna family. Um, so, And they can have quite large bulbs as well. Mm. Um, so it's possibly one of those. That's the most common um, variety I would think of. Um you can get um, a rare variety called a Josephine lily that also has a very large bulb, similar to a belladonna. Um, a Josephine lily sends up a spike with like a cartwheel of, of bright pink flowers on the top. Wow. So, um, yeah, they're, they're very uh, rare um, and they take around about um, oh, seven years to come into flower when you move them. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They're a bit finicky. The ultimate <laughs> impatience. Yes, yeah, that's right. They are beautiful though um, when they're in full bloom. Mm. Um, I've seen I've seen spikes of them that are um, a meter and a half high. So wow. you can imagine in a garden, they just stand above everything else. Wow, that's incredible. Oh, I'll have to look that one up. Do you sell them, Lynn? Um, no, we don't. Um, all I've got you, but we don't have enough to to um, sell them. As in, you know, put them out commercially, they'd be gone in the first half an hour. Oh, okay. And I was looking at your website, and you've got growing information on just about everything you can think of, which is fantastic. So if people need more information, um, wabulbs dot com. Is that that right? Liz? And if they want me and. Yes, that's right, wabulbs.com. Um, if they want to ring me and, and talk about um, things that they're needing to know information, I'm more than happy to talk to them um, and give them pointers. Mm. I can't say that I know all the answers, but um, if I don't know, I point them somewhere else. <laughs> oh, well, we never do. And I tell you what, in this job, you you just keep getting questions that you've never heard of before and it stretches <laughs> us all the time. Yeah, it's great. It's true. Well, thank, thank you, you, young lady. We appreciate very much your your time and your wisdom and inspiration, and uh, wish you, uh, yeah, all the luck going forward for for the season. And will you be at the garden festival next year? Do you think, Lynn? <laughs> <laughs> But um, we always have bulbs available um, that people, you know, they're welcome to come to the farm if they want to buy bulbs. They just need to make an an appointment. But we do mail order bulbs Australia-wide, so um, we can always get their bulbs to them. And you're located in Boyat Brook, is that right? Yes, we're farmed between Boyat Brook and Cogenup. So we're 38 kilometres out of Boyat Brook towards Cogenup. Um, so that's why they need to ring before they come because um, oh, yeah. we do come and go and they need directions <laughs> yeah. to find us. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Lynn, and thanks for fitting us in at such short notice. Oh, it's a pleasure. You have a great day. Thank you. You take care. Cheers for that. Bye. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. Wasn't the best of lines, was it? No. But, uh, I think we, we, we achieved what we wanted to. Uh, we're in Menorah talking to Sandy about a mandarin tree. Morning, Hello, Sandy. Yes, good morning, ladies. Um, I have an issue with my mandarin tree. It's growing beautifully, however, and it's giving me a lot of produce. However, my mandarins have got little white wiggly things, wiggly worms, I believe in them. I don't use any chemicals whatsoever on my tree, and I'm, I don't really want to, but I was hoping you had some advice as to how I could treat it. 
to stop these little mm. bugs from coming inside. It yeah. does sound like the larva of fruit fly. Oh, okay. So are the the fruits also um, showing signs of um, squig, uh, squidgy? Yes, yes, they are. And dropping? And brown, yeah, and they're dropping quite a lot. And I, even when I picked them off the tree, they had the wiggly, the little worms. Mm, yeah. And they're little brown, just like a little uh, freckle almost. Yes, yeah. yeah. So the the Mediterranean fruit fly comes in, pierces the fruit, lays mm. its egg, and right. then the larva hatches and this is the problem. And then what happens, it, it grows inside and it goes into the ground to pupate. So oh. if your tree is a, of a manageable size, then you yes. can net it with a fruit oh, okay. fly net and tie it in around the trunk of the tree. Because right. if you just drape it over, the, the they will pupate in the soil and fly back up again. Okay. okay. Um, okay. Now, yeah, tree. Yeah. If, you've got, if you've got chooks or ducks, they yeah, are great. No. <laughs> okay. No, sorry, um, unfortunately, yeah. And also putting out fruit, fruit fly traps. So this is a problem that will not go away. You need right. to dispose appropriately of all the infected fruit. So you can't right. just drop it into the green bin because the the problem will get out and spread. Okay. Um, and um, going forward, traps, baits, barriers and management. So maybe thinking about pruning your tree back to a manageable size. Okay. And when would I put the net on there for next year's crop? Uh, before the fruit starts to ripen. Oh, okay. So before it starts to go orange. Okay. Wonderful. And I can get the fruit fly traps from any you know, hardware nurse, store. Nursery and hardware nursery. stores, yes. Or you can make up your own. There's okay. lot, lots of recipes online. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you very much. And is that causing the fruit to fall as well prematurely? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it is It is a problem. Um, I know a friend of mine's had terrible trouble with hers too in a cold yeah. area. So, and, you know, we, we also have a mandarin tree. Ours yeah. fruits later. So earlier I spoke to someone about choosing an appropriate tree. Mm, so right. if you are prone to fruit fly in your area, Considering a tree that ripens later, right? So okay. more into the cold, a later fruiting mandarin or citrus may help right. to avoid it. And we've also got an apricot that fruits early, right? And so therefore, before the fruit fly get active, we seem to be able to manage. And I've also noticed this week uh, some of our olives are dropping. And then no, underneath we have bandicoots and magpies cleaning them up. So having no. having no. Um, marsupials and birds clean up things can also be a help in managing fruit fly and the pupa. Okay, okay. I've got an orange tree that's just starting to blossom. It's full of blossoms right now. Um, so I would have thought unusual for this time of the year. But would the fruit fly be able to attack through the orange peel as well? Sometimes they do. So okay. yes, you you Maybe could that as well. Then. Yes, okay. after it's right. been yeah, at the right time. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That's great. Okay. Good luck, Sandy. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Back shortly. 
Curtain Radio in Perth. George Minoldi will be joining you from 10am this morning with the classic 60s. And then from 12 noon, we will be going country with Brendan T and Born in Boots. Straight back out to the lines, Faye? Yes, please, Ray. Okie dokie. We are in Serpentine. Laurie, hello. Morning. Morning. How are you? Very good, good, Laurie. Thank you. I'm just after some some, uh, everlasting season. I I believe you have to sow them before it rains. And I've been looking around everywhere and I could... I can't find any everlasting seeds. Is there a special place to go? Or? Yes. Well, there's a few special places to go. And you're in Serpentine, so I know there's someone in your vicinity, uh, Serpentine, Gerardale area. Um, Nancy Scades Native Nursery in Oakford. She definitely Hi. has everlasting seeds. There'd be Xanthoria in Maidavale, uh, there's every chance that places like Dawson's and Waldex would always also sell them. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the big hardware stores also have small packets. And they also, it was, there was a lot of seedlings being sold last year too, wasn't there? Remember? There were. There mm. were packs of different types yeah. of everlasting sold at nurseries and hardware stores. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't find any at Bunnings or whatever. But, um, Might be a bit early, but yeah, but right. certainly the native nurseries have big packs of seeds. Yeah, what, was that, what was that one at Oakford? Australian Native Nurseries. Okay, and right. They, they were certainly on sale at the Garden Festival last weekend. Well, unfortunately, I couldn't get to it, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> so what about um, the one in Byford, Four Seasons? They may have them. They're worth a whirl as well. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try them too. Mm. Oh, thank you very much. And as I said, I, I was of the belief that you saw them before it rains heavily. Or uh, now, now is a really good time. I think. Yeah. yeah you sort of. It's a catch twenty two. Like often you plant them around the first rains, but then if we then don't, don't get follow-up yeah, rains. They to, can germinate and then they yeah, can die off. So they love them. a sandy soil, rake the soil, remove all the weeds, uh, put put down, if you like, a slow-release fertiliser. And depending on if you have snail problems, you well, and depending on what other wildlife you have around, uh, sometimes if it's in safe area, you might put down some snail pellets and then cover them very lightly, pat them down, water them in, and away they go. And you shouldn't have to do anything else. The rainfall should do it. That's it. I shouldn't have put them in a place where there's uh, retic happening. Well, I don't think they need it during the winter months. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Good luck, Laurie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers for that. Well, a retic would be off anyway, wouldn't it? Um, yes, Soon. but not everybody does turn off retic. And, mm. you know, they these plants just grow in mm. fields yeah. on, on winter rains. Yeah. Okay, let's head to Gosnells. We're talking about a raspberry plant. Linda, hi. Morning, Linda. Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, I've got a, a nice problem. Oh, um, good. What do I do about my <laughs> raspberry plant? It's about, what, a foot or so high. It's got a little arch sort of wooden um, thing in it. But, I mean, actually it, it got chewed, I think, by um, cat- not caterpillars, uh, grasshoppers maybe. 
but um, I've taken it down the back where the goose yard is and hopefully they won't get attacked again. But I'm just wondering what's the situation because I heard on, on the gardening program last night that you prune them back, do you? Yes, and I'm pretty sure that, that these type of berry fruits, you kind of need two-year-old wood. So if you're training it, uh, so you'll have, if it's a young plant, I, I don't think I'd be training or pruning it at all. But next okay. year, try and separate last year's growth with the mm. current year's growth. So you've got them on either side. So you can alternate your pruning. Okay. Because I've actually got two two um, shoots going going up, you know, about a ruler high, uh, going up one side of the little arch and the other side of the little arch. Um so I just leave it. I'll put yes. it in the ground. Or, yes, or just what, just what, leave it. Leave it for now. Let it do its thing, um, and prune back after it's fruited. So yeah, prune back the the cane after it's fruited, not Next before. Mm. When's it likely to fruit? I think probably about springtime. I'd guess, but I'm only guessing. I might have to brush up on my Berry yeah. uh, information for you, Linda. I put it on my list of jobs to do. And they grow okay in in Gosnells or in 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 the metro area. Oh, there's there's so many varieties of around, and oh, okay. it depends yeah. on the chill factor that's required. Yeah, but mm. but there are um, plants plants that will will do well. I mean, people are having fantastic results with the blueberries. Mm. So yeah. yes, yeah. you you can. You can get good results. Okay. And what sort of soil do they have? Well, often your berries will like an acidic soil, but they're they're okay. also a bit forgiving. Let me do some homework, Linda. Okay. And and so I, I leave it in the pot for now or I plant it out? Uh, best <clears throat> if you can plant it out because they, I imagine, will get quite... Well, they grow probably... Two metres, I'm guessing. Is it a thorny one or thornless? I think it's thorny. I'm not sure. I haven't really felt it very well. <laughs> That's all right. Um, if you can wait till next week, I'll come back to you with more information. But berry plants will do better in the ground. So just, just wait. I'll give you all the information about what space you need, how to trellis it, how to plant it. And how to prune the sun, it. How much sun and all that sort of thing. Yes. Yep. Okie dory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just hold off. Keep it happy for the week. Thank you. Thank you for the lovely program. Thanks, You're Linda. Welcome, Linda. As much as I can. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye. And we're heading to Safety Bay to talk about soil with Tanya. How are you? Good morning, ladies. I love your show. Thank you. Now, the last... The last Three weeks, you've actually been talking about soils, and last week you talked about fungi in the soils, and the week before I think you talked about fertilisers, and the week before that you talked about something else. Now, I just have a general question after hearing all those presenters speak. Okay, what is the best soil acidity to have to promote all those? Because you hear this, that one particular vegetable garden, like a higher soil, higher soil acidity levels and others don't, others are neutral. So to benefit the whole veggie garden, what is the best 
level I should have in it to promote all the good bacteria and the fungus. <laughs> oh, Tanya. Oh, gosh, where do I start? Can, can, I, can you give me time and next yes. week I will do some homework because I would rather just come back to you with an eloquent answer, <laughs> if there is one. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew this was a curveball for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. And I just think about my veggie garden and, you know, how, how to get the best results. Often getting the best results from a veggie garden is to get some new fresh mix or topping up your raised beds with new fresh mix and planting. Uh, because if you buy a good quality uh, veggie mix from a local landscape supplier, it, it's the bee's knees. It's got everything in it for a fast-growing crop. But then things like carrots will benefit as being a secondary crop. So yeah. it's horses know, for courses. Yeah, well, I've actually got an established veggie garden, and periodically we put mushroom compost on it. Okay, so, um, I've done that the last couple of years. Um, so um, putting on a veggie mix for me is not going to be suitable because uh, it's too, uh, I'm, I'm over the 70s and I can't do all the heavy work. Okay. So, are, you, are you referring to pH levels, Tanya? Is that where you'll... Yeah, yes. probably. What's the best one to promote the bacteria, the fungi and all that sort of stuff for right. your veggies? Yep, yep, okay. And that sounds like a question for maybe Ellen, Ellen or mm. Kathy. And actually, you know, we talked about the lactobacillus serum. Yeah. Yep. I've got three projects on the go in the laundry at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see in your laundry. <laughs> Not. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll follow up on that next week because it is a big subject. It's a big subject yeah. and let's get stuck into it, Tanya. Yeah. Mm. So what you're going to... I'm going, I will do a little segment in the best way I can to answer your question. Next week. Next week. On the radio. On, okay. the, on the radio. Yes. Yeah. Because okay. then it benefits everybody. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. <laughs> Cheers. No okay. Bye. Bye. And we're heading to Queen's Park. Uh, Karen, hello. How are you? Yes, hello, I'm, I'm ringing back. Yes. Uh, there was a lady who rang in about the fruit flies and the yeah. mandarin tree. Mm -hmm. um, I had bought a, uh, one of these bottles of, of fruit fly traps about, for about $30, and I hung it in the mandarin tree against the fruit flies, and it didn't help at all. <clears throat> all, my, all my mandarins were stung with, uh, with, um, from the fruit fly. I have got another mandarin tree, which is uh, still has got green mandarins on it, and I have noticed that one and two of them are already stung. So I think she should put the netting around it earlier. Mm. And you're in Queen's Park, Karen? In Queen's Park, yeah. Okay. And actually what I've done, I've taken off all the green mandarins, and even though apparently they're not supposed to get ripe inside the house, but they start ripening now. Oh, wow, that's I'm good I'm quite tonight. happy about it. I didn't expect yeah. it. Mm. But they start ripening. Yeah. And one other thing, I, what I've also done, I've put a fruit fly netting over a, a um, apple tree, which is uh, has got it had plenty of foliage, and I made sure there was nothing floating around, hoppering around inside. But uh, two months later, 
I've noticed that there was a big caterpillar, in, uh, not caterpillar, a, a big grasshopper inside. Uh-huh. So yes. I opened it up, and after 20 grasshoppers, I stopped counting. So we have to be very, very careful. Even though I tied it very tight around the around the trunk and everything, there were lots of grasshoppers inside. Mm. So you have to be very. I mean, they must have been very, very small, and they probably didn't see any because they probably were hiding among, amongst amongst uh, amongst all that big foliage. So uh, that is something what you really, really have to watch out. Yes, yes. Monitoring uh, gardens is a very key part, and I the best it. the best but protection you can give your plants is your shadow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I, it was not two months. Maybe it was a bit earlier, but I just couldn't believe it that there's so many big grasshoppers inside, and we didn't see any. We made sure there was nothing in it. So somehow they must have found their way in, even though they couldn't have gone through the netting. So they must have been inside already. Okay, yeah. yeah, good tip. Thanks for your call, Karen. Okay, okay, no worries. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, let me see. Okay, you've got a oh, few. Oh, yes, can I do some emails, yes, please, Ray? Yes, yes, let's, let's crack on. So this comes from Diane and Robert, and they're in Mount Pleasant. So they have sent in an email to share something that worked in their garden. They found rats had nested in the elk and stag horns and they came across an idea to use used kitty litter or mothballs. So as they don't have a cat, they didn't use kitty litter, Mm. uh, but they found that the mothballs worked a treat and the rats seemed to have disappeared. Yes. So they've also been inundated with small brown moths. So once again, they tried the mothballs. They used the ones that are in the little yellow cage mm-hmm. and hung them mm-hmm. in amongst all their plants. They found that apart from the smell and yeah. you get used to it, mm. the moths went from plague proportion to minimal. Now, mothballs is something we've we've kind of talked about once before. We, we were a little bit disinclined because of the toxicity Correct. of it. So yeah. we be very do careful. just need mm. to be mindful Animals. that the mothballs are not um, being watered down and, and falling onto the soil around mm. your edible plants because there is a degree of risk with them. But certainly, I, I love your idea and I had thought about it before to put in trees like, hopefully to repel things like the citrus leaf miner, which is also a little moth. Mm. So that can deter things without actually killing things. Mm. So I, th- I think that's a great idea. Um, so we have another uh, email from, this one's from Trish, and she fertilises with citrus fertiliser and also put potassium on the trees over the summer using the water from her shower. She doesn't use any shower in the soap in doesn't use any soap, soap in, in the, the shower, shower mm-hmm. but finds that the mandarins are bitter. Now, I have contacted Chris Oliver, and I think we can probably get him on the show not until the 19th of June, yeah. but we will cover um, bitter mandarins mm. and if there is any chance of sweetening the fruit or if it may, in fact, be a certain variety. Sure. So that will be good we'll to cover that. that up. And Pam in Morley rang last week. And she told us about some silver mushrooms that she found in Canada. And she sent us in a photo, which was really fantastic. They look grey here, but they were glinting in the sun and appeared quite silver in real life. 
So thanks, Pam, because I know she sent that in straight away, but we just didn't have the time to mention Acknowledge it on the it. show yes, last no. week. But we all looked at it. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. Now, Sally from Burragoon has called in to ask if we could comment on people being able to send plant cuttings interstate in post packs mm-hmm. without going through quarantine. For example, variegated monstera. Now, these these Mm. cuttings are selling for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And quarantine is a very key part of protecting our industry here, our food industry, not just home gardeners. Now, people need to be a bit more aware. So I've actually got John to print out something uh, from Deep Herd last updated 2019 first you must determine that the organism or plant species is listed as permitted on the west australian organism list once you've determined that it is listed you will need to check quarantine import requirements for any conditions of entry relating to that product if you receive your order by mail or or other delivery method and there is no obvious sign that an inspection has occurred you must keep the consignment contained and contact quarantine WA to organise an inspection. All consignments and all parcels will generally have obvious signs of having been open and will clearly be marked with past quarantine tape once inspections have been completed. It's, you know, we have to be really careful. I mean, food coming in, we talked to um, one of the departments about growing plants that were designed, you've got them through the grocery store. Yes. They're not supposed to be planted mm. because they're not checked in the same way as they are when they come through quarantine to the garden section of your nursery. It's it's a high-risk thing. So Yeah. All right. how, how do we discourage people? Because uh, I, I feel that the people doing that, it's money-driven, right? Well, yes, that's it. often the case. Um, mm. Yeah, I guess... What we appeal to their we conscience. need to do is mm. to help people understand that the industry here we're very isolated. It's we're right. really lucky in that respect, very, very and lucky. we have a department that is protecting our growers mm-hmm. and home gardeners. You know, they they want this and they want that, and yeah. they will do almost anything, anything to get it. Correct. Sometimes, mm. but with a little bit aware of awareness about the risk of bringing in a pest mm. or a virus, a virus, yes. please think twice before you send anything or or order anything through a back, a back door. Mm. Just be mindful yeah. and, and do your checks. Yeah, absolutely. We have to have a short break when we return. Uh, Linda would like to talk about mothballs. Curtain Radio. You are with Ran Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. 15 minutes of the program remaining till 10am where George Minoldi will be taking over the reins uh, with the classic 60s. Now, we're going to Gosnells. We're saying good morning to Linda. Oh, thank you for taking my call again. That's um, okay. Just just a warning to do with um, those mothballs. mothballs. If they're naphthalene um, in mm. the mothballs, they're a neurotoxin. Mm. So you have to be careful not to smell it. She said, oh, you get used to the smell. Well, your nose sort of almost paralyzes to the smell so you don't notice it. But it is actually a neurotoxin. 
So you can't, you shouldn't really have them in enclosed spaces that you're likely to be in, or you know, somewhere where it's protected and, and the smell um, increases. Thank you, so, Linda. Yeah, I knew that there was something to be mindful of. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing? You know, we grew up with these sorts of things in, in our, our closets. Yeah, in our clothing. I know, and my my mother-in-law had mothballs tied up in a little fancy organza yes. she had sitting on her dressing table. Yes, oh. yes. And she actually developed Parkinson's, but we don't know. I mean, that yeah. could have contributed. I don't know, mm. but it, it's not good. No, no. So good to be mindful of of that. Yes, the use of yes. them. Yeah. Thank you for yes. that, Linda. Okay. Thank okay. you. Take All care. Right. Okay. Cheers. Bye, Bye for now. Okay. Our listeners are a wealth of knowledge, aren't they? Yeah. Very good that they, they share with us. So <laughs> we can't Google that quick. No, and keep <laughs> us on our toes. No. Um, so we have received an email from Paula and she has mini caterpillars under the leaf of a potato plant, which is in a pot. What organic spray can I use as I like to eat the leaves, but the caterpillar is eating them? He likes them too. Mm. Now... One of my favourites, if I was to use anything, or go one of to, my go-to, yeah. is a bactericide. It used to be called Dipel. Now I think they market it under the name Caterpillar Killer. And the reason that I would use it, although, I, as you know, I probably don't kill caterpillars these days, as I recognise their food for other things, but uh, this product is organic certified, so you know that, you can spray it on the leaves and they will still be safe. And even the caterpillars are still safe for birds or fish mm. to eat. Yeah, that's important. Uh, so Dipel, and it's a powder. You mix it up as a liquid mm. and you spray it over and under the leaves. And the caterpillar eats the leaves, it ingests the poison, and it dies over a period of a few days. You do need to reapply after rain or after you've irrigated and it's it's a simple solution, so happy to recommend that. But it is most effective on small caterpillars. Hmm. Another email, another pest. Hello, lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. This is from Deb, and she says she needs some assistance. Any idea is what what is making my roses look sick and what has made a home on my broccoli, bok choy and turnips? In the photo, you can see where I've squished some. They're a bit like ash and poofed and float around, but go back quickly. <laughs> and that's white fly. Yes, yeah. white fly. So yeah. if you're watering or you touch yeah. a leaf, yes, you get a cloud of yeah. white flies. Yeah. And um, they're looking terrible. So they do target a, a lot of um, these plants that are sometimes undergoing stress or outer leaves. I like to remove the most infested leaves because you remove a lot of the infestation at that point. I would, if I was going to spray anything, uh, use an eco oil and because that encourages the good bugs to come in as predators and parasites and we want them in the garden. But go along the lines of adding more plants or letting plants stay there longer in the garden as trap plants, let them flower and go to seed because sometimes you'll you get the good guys hang around like praying mantises and, and all sorts of beneficial insects. As for the chili thrip, mm. that has slowed right down. We mentioned that early on in the show. The roses are starting to flush again. 
the growth is looking better. The plants are actually coping a lot better. Yeah. But if you've got good bugs in your garden, they also might be getting the upper hand on these little pests as well. Um, both with white fly and, and chili thrips, they don't like a moist environment. They mm. like a dry environment. So mm. if you change yeah. the environment, and of course with winter coming, uh, less spaces for them to harbour, so removing that infested foliage and keeping your plants clean, removing any leaf litter that's fallen that could be causing a problem as well. That's what I would be doing, Ray. And I think I've got one more here. <laughs> Mango tree and rose bushes. <laughs> and this is from Evelyn and she's sought our advice in the past, which she's found extremely helpful. So we always like to hear that. Uh, she has a mango tree that's finished fruiting. Can I cut the branches back now as I do not want the tree to get too high? And she's sent in a photo and it is well above fence height. Um, yes, definitely. The Often the best time to do a cutback is after you've taken the last fruit off the tree. And you do that to manage the size. We hear about a lot of problems of fruit fly and um, yeah, as trees get bigger, the, the chance to, to net them mm. makes it very harder, so yeah. very much harder. Next are two rose bushes. Could you advise if these are from an offshoot and should I pull them out? They're not new. They've been in the ground for three to five years or more. If I need to pull them out, am I able to replant another rose bush in the same area? I listen to your show every Saturday and look forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, it I can't tell if they are shoots. They're very small. Um, small plants if they've never flowered yes get rid of them put something in there that you enjoy I, I can't see a reason why you wouldn't uh, prepare the soil again there's nothing to indicate that there's anything wrong with the plants but they just might not have been a good variety in the first place so improve the soil well and see how you go with some new desirable choices and maybe some small ones you can get some lovely small bush roses yeah. that will give you a lot of uh, flower colour. Colour, exactly. Or even companion plants, you know. Mm. Borders of white alisum, add some marigolds. Mm. Uh, perennial basil is fantastic. Mm. Put some pots of colour and annuals around and make it look really pretty. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Okay, uh, let me see. We've got about eight minutes left of the program. Uh, we could take one or two calls. We will be back shortly. Radio. And today's program has been <laughs> sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. And you're going back into... I'm going back to the emails, right? I'm going to knock them all off today, which would great. be great. So Lynn's just sent in an email and she says, Hi, gardening team. I heard you mention sour or bitter mandarins. I too solved that problem by adding lime to the soil. An orchardist told me my soil was probably too acidic. Yeah. It certainly solved the problem and I've done the same this year as I have a beautiful crop ripening now. So for those people who do have a bitter, bitter mandarin, mandarin or bitter something, how about going out and doing a pH test on your soil and just seeing where we're at? Yeah. Yeah. Homework. I, I give it back to them, right? Yes. Now, fruit fly, this came from Kerry. She said, fruit flies seem to be winning the war. Just wondering if there's a fruit fly control or poison 
that could be applied to the ground to stop them breeding. Obviously, it mustn't harm the roots. Well, the problem that I have with that is whatever you would use to kill the larva of fruit fly is going into the ground around an edible fruit tree. So it can't be toxic to humans. And I suspect that anything added is going to kill just about everything in the soil. So John's done a, a Google around and hasn't found anything. But Kerry, what about quails? That's, that's my latest, I, I think. I like that idea mm. a lot, quails, because they're, they're very uh, manageable. They're small and, you know, in a suburban back area. Um, I've seen it on TV how they do it, and I think they're a wonderful option, quails. Well, chickens have certainly been very popular since yeah. COVID came in just over 12 months ago. The mm. chicken sales went through the roof. Yeah, that's um, right. But yeah, quails and ducks. And there are some small varieties of chickens. You know, they've got fluffy little feet and feathers. You've <laughs> yeah. got grizzle drops. You've, little you've pretty got, ones. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. that's the answer, adding yeah. a couple of birds to the backyard to help manage fruit fly because some areas have got it really bad. Don't reckon Ella would tolerate that very well. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> she'd think it was uh, dinner or she'd play it to death. Yeah, chase it to death. So if you've got a dog or something, that could be problematic. Okay, and just quickly, the flowers you brought in, ah. can we just have a little chat about them? Because I've been sitting here through the last two hours eyeballing all these gorgy little plants and want to share with the listeners okay. what you brought in. Well, let's start with this display mm. uh, of native flowers. Now, yes. I was channeling Nancy Scade when I did this. Right. So I went on a little bush walk and the Banksias, Menzies Banksias at the moment are looking stunning. You know, Ray, I don't think you find two the same, yeah. two flowers the same. And, of mm. course, they're all at different stages of blossoming. They're so symmetrical. They just, they all want to have their photo taken. In the bouquet, I've also put some tryptamine. Two different yeah, I types. do love tryptamine. Oh, it is a must-have. It, it suits a cottage garden or a Ooh. native garden. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes. And um, oh, the first of the Geraldton wax. Yes. What so, I was actually trying to do was Mark Tuchek um, contacted us to say there is a new Geraldton wax out. And I was just going to have a little look at that and uh, see if we could uh, mention that as well because... Uh, Granita. And he, he oh, you've already through, got the answer in your head. I oh, know, I just You're know. You're a lot cleverer than I am. <laughs> but you can also Not hard, by the way. use it in a recipe. And yeah. oh, the, the smell of Geraldton wax is unique. I remember it from the good old days at North Beach where yeah. we both grew up. <laughs> we went to pri primary school together. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That was a long time Those ago. Those were the days. They yeah, were. No, this new Geraldton wax is very, very pretty, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, that he sent so us very many, pink. So mm. many different varieties mm. out there. I've also added in, or oh, they look a bit scrappy in the garden, the Eremophila nivea, beautiful silver foliage. And when, I love when that peaks mm. and when it comes into bloom, it's got the most beautiful mauve flowers. It's so gorgeous. Contrasts beautifully with kangaroo paws, mm. the red and green ones. So these will start to come into the nurseries now. Soon. You can buy them in punnets and... Some, sometimes those red and green kangaroo paws will die down and come back next year. Mm. And, um, yeah, put in some seedlings now, folks. And then back over, oh, the the Cineraria gum. Love it. Lovely 
blue, bluey ground foliage, mm. like a silver dollar. I yeah, think. yeah, correct. And, and then, this posy here. Then we have another little one, a little bit more cottagey. So we've got mm -hmm. the first of the camellias, the sasanquas in bloom. And you should have seen when I walked in here, I left behind a trail of petals, Ray. I don't know what you must have thought if you'd seen them on the floor. That's all right, the cleaner comes. <laughs> well, I was thinking how romantic it looked. <laughs> but I didn't want to send the wrong message, so no, I you didn't. cleaned up. <laughs> I don't think like that. <laughs> um, and the first of my jonquils. Oh, and the scent. They're great. Oh, have, yeah. a, have a whiff of that. Oh, yes, I can smell it across <laughs> the desk. Thank you. And in with this little posy, I've put some native fuchsias, the corias. Can you see them? Yeah, they Chib are so chibula. pretty because they're quite a vibrant colour, aren't they? They are. A pinky coral. Yep. And yeah. And that bush is now Love like... It. Uh, a, a meter wide by about two meters, so it forms a lovely little little hedge. Yeah, leading to my native garden. Yeah, uh, some salvias that are actually about two meters high in my yeah. garden. Beautiful magenta color, color fuchsia yeah. color, and a little chrysanthemum daisy. So, oh, you know, there's a lot happening out in the garden. You and can... I've also got you brought me some oh. cuttings of a nodding violet. Yes, and I know that it can be. Uh, considered a weed. It's not going really? anywhere. No. Uh, I, I'm going to put it in a pot and see what happens. I've seen it recently and I just love the idea of a nodding violet cascading out over a pot. So thank you. I have scored very well this week. They came from Bonnie from the Fern Society. Yeah, very lucky to track them down. Oh, Look, at nice. as always, uh, we've, uh, we've killed off two hours uh, very easily. Thanking our listeners. Uh, for uh, supporting the program and the team, Bev Daring and John Glidden, and thank you. And our guests, we had Joe Broadhurst and we had Lynn Chambers. Okay, now I have a big gardenism today. I'm in one okay. of my deep moods. If winter is slumber and spring is birth and summer is life, then autumn rounds out to be reflection. It's a time of year when the leaves are down and the harvest is in and the perennials are gone. Mother Earth just closed up the drapes on another year and it's time to reflect on what's come before. Oh, that is lovely. I do like mm. that, yes. Reflection. <laughs> reflection. Yeah. I reflect a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I reflect a lot. <laughs> okay, George Minoldi, Classic 60s next. We will be back next Saturday. Happy gardening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.